to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy. I am your host. And it is the monthly CPI report today, and that's what we are going to be talking about. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Sense and Sensibility is sponsored by Simplify ETFs, a fast-growing ETF shop democratizing access to the most sophisticated alternative strategies. With diversifying strategies like market-neutral equity long-short, managed futures, multi-strat quant, Simplify has a suite of compelling tools to help address the biggest concerns with your classic 60-40 portfolio. Check out their website, simplify.us. You can find their entire lineup of ETFs at simplify.us slash ETFs. Thank you, Simplify. And we'll move on to the trivia question, which is this. What company... Still around today. Marketed in 1906 with the slogan, The Great National Temperance Beverage. And I'll give you another one. The, in 1929, the same company marketed with the slogan, The Pause That Refreshes. What were these both slogans of in 1906 and 1929? So it's monthly CPI report day which is so exciting. Even though lately the focus has started to shift away from the CPI in terms of you know, the suite of monthly economic reports, uh, more to the growth data, such as the employment report. Um, you know, CPI had been, has been treated as sort of the most important indicator for quite a while, and that's sort of fading a little bit. And that, it, it makes perfect sense, and, and this happens from time to time. Um, and and the reason the reason is very it's very easy to understand. There's no plausible way that in in the real world that CPI can cause the Fed to ease. Okay, uh, the CPI if it's bad can cause the Fed to tighten, but unless you get minus two percent CPI, the Fed's not going to ease because of CPI. And there's, on the flip side, there's no plausible way that the employment report can get the Fed to tighten. Sure, I guess if the unemployment rate got to 1%, the Fed might tighten. But historically speaking, the Fed does not generally tighten just because the unemployment rate is low. You got to have inflation going up or something um, because they're political animals and they have to sit in front of Congress and explain why it is they want to throw people out of work. So so those, these, these two reports kind of have the... have the opposite asymmetry. CPI is the most important indicator when you're worried about whether the Fed's going to be tightening. And if you're thinking about when the Fed's going to be easing, the employment number becomes the most important indicator. Uh, So when you shift that focus from when's the next tightening to when's the next ease, you shift from CPI to employment. It's just natural and and it happens all the time. And and because we've started to see that happening in the market, um, if you look at vol markets, you know, vol for... Uh, CPI day versus vol for the employment day, you know, had been pretty um, uh, tilted, I guess, towards CPI, and and that has started to change. And if you actually look at market the, the the size of market reactions on those days, it started to change. Today being an exception, um, but um, you know, the employment report has already 
started to show a weakening employment picture. And yet the Fed is still, you know, level level set, completely focused on the CPI and on keeping rates higher for longer until inflation comes down. So we're still kind of in this middle range where both of the reports are kind of important um, at some level. But the Fed has said that they're not going to ease until, you know, inflation comes down a lot. And I believe them. I was also pretty sure, though, that they were done hiking, even though there seem to be some people who think that even though the Fed has now skipped two meetings that, you know, they could tighten again at any time. And I, and I guess that's possible, but there is such a thing as policy inertia. And after you've paused a couple meetings, and especially when you're talking about a 5% rate so that 25 basis points doesn't do a whole lot, it, it would do, it would have to, it would take something very seriously serious to get them off the X in terms of tightening. And, and there don't seem to be any candidates for that out there. And, and oh, by the way, you know, there are long ways from doing any easing when inflation is kind of where it is and in the trajectory that it, that it is headed. So ergo, going into today's report, we know that the Fed's done tightening and we believe them when they say there's no ease coming. So there really shouldn't be a whole lot of angst or excitement with whatever result we get today, right? Well, wrong. That was that was very wrong. We had a major, major market reactions um, to a report that was um, slightly soft. Expectations were for 0.30 month on month on core inflation, so exactly three tenths of a percent. I my forecast was higher than that. Um, you know, I saw, I saw, I, I was looking for 0.35 percent because I anticipated additions from used cars because last month's auctions of used cars were, were stronger and prices were higher. And that's usually a good leading indicator. Uh, from new cars, sticker prices were higher last month. Dealer incentives were down. Those are both strong indicators of higher new car prices. Possibly even airfares because even though jet fuel prices have been coming down, Fares appear to be too low for the level of jet fuel, and so I expect that to eventually be made up at some point. And we also knew that health insurance was going to go from a a four basis point a month drag to a basis point or two of an ad. And so, you know, for you put all those together, and and I looked at the point three, which was kind of you know recent trend, and it seemed to me it should be a little bit higher. Um, so the actual number came in at 0.23% on the core, uh, and the crowd went wild. It, uh, it didn't take long to notice, when you were looking at the data, as excited as the crowd was, that the... Um, that used cars uh, had declined, new cars had declined, airfares declined a little, which wasn't terribly surprising, lodging away from home plunged more than 3%. In short, all the things that had been sort of upside risks actually manifested to the downside, except for health insurance, which is more or less, um, it was a little bit, I actually had calculated as being two basis points, it actually was one basis point, but but uh, we sort of know the sign of that. Um, 
But all these other things, used cars, new cars, airfares, lodging away from home, all those things were drags. And, um, and that was sort of surprising. Rents, on the other hand, so pri- primary rents were sort of as expected. Owner's equivalent rent had spiked last month, spiked, you know, to point five something uh, month on month. And, and it kind of went back to where it had been. So, it, again, that had been sort of expected. Um, it wasn't, it didn't, we, we didn't get a payback. It didn't come in much, much weaker and drag. It just kind of went back to where it had been. Um, so, so rents sort of decelerated sequentially again, sort of as we had been expected, as we had been expecting and not plunging and, and they're not going to plunge. I'm hoping we get to 3% eventually on rents, but that's kind of what happened on the rent side. But, but all those things, um, were, were soggy that we had sort of expected wouldn't be soggy. And, uh, and so we got this weak core number. But it's pretty easy to sort of look and see where it was weak. And it wasn't sort of the really big stuff. Uh, core over the last three months annualizes uh, even with that at 3.4%. And it's at 3.2% over the last 12 months. So it really hasn't gone anywhere. It's you know, a little bit more than 3% over the last year, a little bit more than you know, close to 3.5% over the last three months. Um, no real progress, you know, Three and a half percent is, uh, you know, for core is is probably about what we should ex- be expecting to get. Median has uh, was four point five percent over the last three months, and five point three over the last twelve. So we're still making some progress there, but at four and a half percent median inflation over three months, we're clearly not where the Fed is is comfortable with. Um. And so we're not in this great space, even with this good number. And in addition to the car stuff and lodging and airfares, which jump around some and should retrace, we also saw a decline in tuition, uh, college tuition and fees, which is odd. College tuitions almost never go down. But if you look at the data, the monthly data, um, there's occasionally a, a little bit of a dip. It goes negative for a month. And, you know, college tuitions are weird because they're you, know, you really measure them once a year, right? I mean, college tuitions don't change every month. They change at the beginning of the school year, and then, you know, they kind of get seasonally adjusted. They kind of get smeared. That that one, that one jump gets smeared over the next twelve months, and so because of vagaries with seasonal adjustment, you can occasionally get something that comes out as a, a small negative, but it's not going to persist. We are not seeing college tuitions decline. So. Um, so that also is is a quirk, and it shouldn't persist. Um, and meanwhile, we saw some other things which haven't really been a concern yet on the upside, but things to keep an eye on. Um, you know, if we take a big step back, we've sort of seen this, you know, the, the first part of the disinflation was uh, core goods prices dropping sharply from, you know, from where they had been during COVID and supply chains and blah, 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 and then dropping back um, not into deflation, which is where they've been for a very long time, but, you know, to the low single digits or close to zero. Actually, I think last month they were exactly zero year on year, and this month they actually went up a little bit. Um, uh, Pharmaceuticals, uh, medicinal drugs in the CPI, is now 4.59% year-on-year, which is the highest in years. Now, for a long time, I've wondered why it is that medical, that medicine prices uh, hadn't been rising. Um, 
and why doctors uh, and hospitals, why those numbers, why that inflation hadn't been rising. I mean, we just came through a major, uh, a major pandemic. You would think that the price of healthcare would go up. Um, well, we're starting to see that in in pharmaceuticals, and and the other part of the story on pharmaceuticals is that we import the United States imports a lot of the uh, advanced pharmaceutical ingredients APIs um, from other countries, in particular China, where you know we're we don't have the the, the greatest um, relationship right now, and so you know that's sort of something to keep an eye on, and we also saw hospital services are now finally starting to accelerate. Weirdly, doctor services are going the other way and have, um, I guess if you, could, if you sort of look at those, you know, you have hospital services 5.6% year on year and probably not going to continue higher. They're kind of in the old zone. And doctor services minus 1.2% year on year and probably not going to continue lower. But I sort of wonder about the pharma. And in general, I've sort of thought that all that should be you would expect it coming out of a pandemic to to be going higher, and it just has never shown any any uh, effect of of COVID, which to me is just kind of bizarre. Um, a little promising. So th- that's sort of the I guess the the breakdown of the particular items that I kind of looked at, and um, you know we have women's outerwear fell more than five percent. Again, kind of quirky. And so there were there were a lot of these little quirks in there that I, I suspect you know are going to add up to being you know something positive next month. But on a a broad a, a more um, uh, I guess kind of a more general quantitative point that's that's promising is that. And, and I, I keep I tell you these things are promising. They're things we've been expecting to happen for a while, and so when they are happening, you know it's sort of a, a signpost. Um, but a little promising is that we we saw this month kind of an increased dispersion, and and what I mean by that is that you know when in the normal course of events, when you have low and more or less stable inflation is that some stuff goes up, some stuff goes down every month. And so if you looked at kind of the monthly distribution of prices, they'd be all over. You'd have ups and downs and, and, um, uh, and that's kind of, that's sort of normal. And then in a normal, generally accelerating inflation environment, you would see, um, you'd see a occasion, you know, sort of this, that, that jumble, but then you'd get an occasional deviation uh, to the upside. So, you know, I, I, more than a year ago, I kind of referred to it as, you know, popcorn popping. So, you know, as inflation heats up, most prices don't move, but you get these occasional kernels that go pop, and that makes core inflation, which is an average move above median. And so that's sort of emblematic of an inflationary environment. Um, but then what you get when you're sort of in the environment we were in is all prices moving up together almost in unison, some more, some less, but they're all kind of moving. Um, And not just, you know, prices in the U.S. economy. If you kind of look globally, you know, normally country to country, inflation moves in different directions, but all of a sudden all inflation was moving in the same direction. And the reason that happens is because there was one 
big positive uh, push on the whole system. And that was the, the gusher of money that came from the Fed. It came from every central bank around the world. And so when you have this common impact, this common impulse affecting everything, then you get low dispersion. Everything starts to act the same, right, and work together. So when we see that dispersion start to increase again, and now things are starting to act differently, some go up, some go down, and obviously that's always true, but, but you start seeing it more and more, that's actually, that's a good sign that things are going back, that at least you're not having this one big common impulse pushing higher. And of course, we know that money supply is no longer surging. It's actually contracting a little bit. And so we sort of know that impulse has been lessening. Money velocity is is jumping, and that remains a concern. But but the overall impulse, the, that, that big common impulse, uh, has gone away, and you're, and you're seeing that in the data. So that's all, all good. Um, and so you put all this stuff together, and you, you say, well, okay, this is a positive report. No question this is a positive report. Better than expected core. Um, not so much with median, um, but – but we got sort of the, you know, what what we could have expected and hoped for out of core. Problem is, and, and we've got and some of those those ancillary things like dispersion are looking better. The problem is that a lot of the reasons that core was low this month are really sort of temporary one-offs. It wasn't rents. Rents are going to continue to decelerate and they'll they will gradually bring down core, but that's not what happened this month. And so what happened this month was sort of a one-off. And so next month, you'd sort of expect to be back up at the 0.3 kind of level um, uh, for core inflation. And we'll, we'll uh, wait and see. But the bottom line is what I said up, up top. The Fed isn't going to tighten. The Fed isn't going to ease. There's nothing about this number that's going to change any of that. Uh, and, and, and that's not news. We sort of knew that was going to happen. And so, you know, the stock market is uh, is going through the roof at this hour. The bond market is going through the roof. And that's just kind of weird because nothing really changed with this number. It was modestly positive, but it was positive kind of for kind of quirky reasons. That's not a good reason to rally stocks 2%. Um, so I'd I'd be a little bit I'd be a little bit cautious about jumping on board uh this uh this wild excitement. I think the crowd is uh, is getting carried away. We have a long way to go before we can declare victory on inflation. Um, I don't know if today is part of that journey. I, I it's, Obviously, I guess it's part of the journey, but I don't know that it's a really important part of the journey yet. And so I, I would just avoid getting really excited about it. And that's kind of all I have to say about that. Um, so, uh, you know, these uh, CPI reports tend to be a little bit shorter. And so I'm going to wrap this up and answer the trivia question which was uh, about the the company that had the slogans, the great national temperance beverages, beverage in 1906 and the pause that refreshes in 1929. I almost didn't include the second one because it seemed like a little bit too much of a hint for me for some reason. But anyway, those, are, those were both slogans for the Coca-Cola company. Um, and the pause that refreshes, I just seem to associate with Coca-Cola. But the great national temperance beverage, that, that seemed like uh, that's a pretty ambitious slogan. Uh, anyway, uh, that's all for today's podcast. Uh, I uh, appreciate you tuning in and referring this podcast to others. Please like it and subscribe to it. Contact me at inflationguy@enduringinvestments.com, and the blog is at inflationguy.blog, and I have kind of a summary of these sorts of comments um, on CPI Day there. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at inflation underscore guy, and 
And of course, I'm in charge of Enduring Investments, which is EnduringInvestments.com. Visit it if you have an inflation challenge or are curious what we do. And most importantly, defend your money. And if inflation is coming for you, remember, you know a guy.